we're going to go to the scripture now, and and uh, there was something that was uh, has been stirring in my heart for, um, well, I'd say at least a couple of weeks now. And uh, Brother Dustin said some things that it just got me thinking. And so I'm going to preach over him this morning. And uh, he set the he set the foundation there, and like he started that nail, right? I'm going to drive it the rest of the way in. <laughs> I said that before, but um, just some thought here that that the Lord had been just kind of mulling over in my heart. And so we'll have something that's a that's a touch on something that he said later on. But um, I want to know the Lord. In all of his dimensions. When you meet somebody, and Kay's very good at this, they say she doesn't know any strangers, she can just bust out and start talking to people. Well, good for her, I can't do that. Um, but just meeting somebody. And just talking with them casually is different than getting to know them. And as you spend some time with a person, you begin to know them. This is why relationships on online just don't work out very good. You don't really know that person online. We can all, we're good at hiding. Everybody say amen. So if I'm going to be online, I'm going to bring all my good stuff forward. I'm not bringing any of the, any of the bad stuff, the baggage, you know. I'm going to bring all the good stuff, so I want to impress that person. And, and then people meet, you know, they do this on this, this, this uh, dating thing. And then they've got all their, their good pictures and all, and then they meet. And a lot of times that's it. But to get to know somebody, there's, we have different facets about who we are. Um, you can see people at church, and, you know, you get to understand who they are wanting to worship the Lord, you know, in, in, in that way, sort of, sort, of, sort of get the feeling of who they are serving Jesus in, 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 the, in the congregation. And then you get outside and uh, let's just say you go, you go hunting with somebody and you've got some time to sit down and talk. Well, you begin to learn a little bit different about who they are. And as, as time goes on and life goes on, the different facets of who we are, and it's, and it's amazing. We've, there's, I'll tell you what, sometimes when people get up and they testify, and over the years this has happened, and testify some about their past or or some of the situations that they've been in and, and, and what God's done in their life. It just, it just kind of opens your eyes to them. Amen? And you kind of see their faith and see what's going on in their life. I want to know everything about the Lord Jesus that I can know. If I just get up here and preach you grace this morning, then you will just know Jesus in His grace. If we just preach about love, then you will see God in just the respect of love. And He does have grace and He does have love. If I get up here this morning and just preach about judgment and hell, and I got a lot of that when I was a little guy, 
Um, you didn't know were you going to heaven or hell, and it was, you know, a lot of that. And that's all we preach, then, you know, we just hang out. That's, that's all you know. Is there judgment? Yes. Is he the judge? Yes, he's the judge. But when we begin to see him in, in, a, in a full, full manifestation of who he is, the full revelation of Jesus. Now, we don't have that full revelation, but we're looking for it. How many are looking for the revelation of Jesus Christ in your life? No, no, I don't know. That's, that's, I'm going to have to get more hands than that. There was only two. How many are looking for a revelation of Jesus in their life? Okay. And because of that, we go to His Word because this is the record. This is about Him. And that's where we find the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the Lord is also going to reveal in your life. He's going to do things in you personally. But the canon Scripture, that which has been established about him, those who knew him, those who walked with him, talked with him, those who were early apostles with him, I respect their record because they knew him in a way that I don't know him, and so I take their word for it. And we're going to do that this morning. I want to take you to the book of Matthew, and that was just all. That wasn't sermon, so don't time me on that, okay? That was just talking. So we'll go to Matthew and start out in the uh, 26th chapter. I want to just catch a verse here. We're going to catch a verse in Matthew and catch a verse in Mark and in John. So 26th chapter, the 25th verse. And in answering, the one betraying Judas said, Not am I the one, Rabbi? And Jesus said to him, You said it. Go over to Mark with me there in the ninth chapter and the fifth verse. And I just want to read this one verse. And answering, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say. Sometimes if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. They got one more verse here in Mark, uh, or excuse me, in uh, John. The, uh, I don't have this one marked. So it's John, the fourth chapter, and uh, the 31st verse. John, the fourth chapter, and the 31st verse. But in the meantime, the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, have you, have you eaten? Or, Rabbi, did you eat? So I'm just going to stop right there. And so you're wondering, boy, how do these verses connect? They all connect with the word Rabbi. I want to talk about the Lord Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, this morning, Rabbi Jesus. I've looked into this in years past a little bit and kind of thought about this thing, Rabbi, but I just want to preach exclusively this morning about Jesus, Rabbi. Amen. Lord, we just ask you now, the reading of your word, that we would also understand your word, that it wouldn't just fly through us and would hear it and not 
not receive it, Lord, but I pray that in hearing, that it'll begin to birth inside of us. Lord, a new aspect of something that you've said, something you've done, Lord, that would just grip our hearts. Lord, we pray for it, Lord, that you administer to us when we leave out of here this morning that we'll have just some fresh new thought and new manna in our heart this morning. Amen. 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 The first century rabbi, the only place that we can find this position, rabbi, it's unique. It's unique to the Jewish system. A rabbi was essential to the propagation of the Jewish teachings and customs and cultures. The first century is kind of strange to us. We, we don't understand, especially Judaism. We don't understand a lot about Judaism uh, because our culture is so different. We raise our children so different. We, we see things so differently uh, than what they did then. And But they were people just like we're people. They, they responded as we respond. But, but they had certain things in their culture that promoted, that promoted the ideas of Judaism. It promoted the laws and the customs. Uh, it made their social standing. And these, what we call rabbis, what is a Hebrew word that simply means my master. Rabbi is my master. When you called a certain person a rabbi, you were telling them that they were your master. Now, that's not a master like a slave master, but, but it has a different inference to it. And, and a rabbi is one that, that is exclusive. There's not so many rabbis in the first century, but yet they're there. We don't see too many of them. Too many of them called Jesus, used it when he said, sometimes the rabbis, they, they want to be uh, exalted and exposed above the people. And he did mention that. But, but typically, a rabbi was kind of an exclusive individual that, that led his people that called him rabbi or attached themselves to him. He was more than a teacher. He was more than just a religious man. He actually had a dedicated following. And so these that, that would join up with him, they dedicated themselves to his teaching. Now, this is unique because there were a lot of schools. There were the, the uh, Pharisees that raised their, their young in, to be Pharisees. There were Sadducees that raised their young to be Sadducees. Uh, but when young men got of age and they felt like that they wanted to come under a teacher and travel, rabbis traveled around. Uh, they weren't necessarily in the synagogue, but they were in the synagogues and they taught in the synagogues. But these disciples of theirs that called them master, they became dedicated to the man. And interesting because the rabbis all didn't see exactly the same. And so it's almost like the modern-day preacher. You can go from church to church right here in Claremore, and you're going to hear 
uh, different things, different ideas, and these different uh, churches will have different approaches. Uh, man, they have different services. They, they, they make certain things are real big to them and other things are small. And so you go all over Claremore and you're going to see that. Every church is different. Our church is different. We are different than the next church. Hopefully, we're preaching the same gospel. This is the hope of, of the church in general is that we're preaching the same gospel. And the rabbis used the same law. They used the law of Moses. And then they also used the Talmud. And that is Jewish uh, tradition, um, oral tradition written down. It was more uh, had to do with their their uh, um, secular lives as Jews and the customs of the Jews. And so this rabbi would teach out of the law, and he would teach also out of the Talmud. And when he did that, he would put his spin on it. You know, every preacher does that, right? We take the gospel and we put our spin on it. The gospel doesn't need a spin, but we do it. And so we come up sometimes with ideas that really aren't founded in the Word of God. And I think that's what happened with these rabbis. They came up with things. But, but these disciples, or what the New Testament called methetai, they were disciples. They were loyal subjects, and they serviced and honored their master teacher. And so uh, the, the aspect of loyalty was there. Um, I know, and having been a pastor for a long time, you get a lot of people, some of them are loyal. They're loyal to the church. They're loyal to, to the Lord. They're loyal to ministry. And then you have others that want to be part of a church, but really not loyal to anything. But when you came in under a rabbi in the first century, he was your teacher. You listened to him. He was the one that explained the law to you. He explained the customs of living to you. And if you didn't believe in that rabbi, you left and went somewhere else. And I've kind of said that about church, you know. I mean, we do a thing here. We, we love each other. We're used to what we do. And, and you know, people come in. And, and if they don't like it here, I mean, we're not going to change what we do. It's just who we are. Uh, find something different. There's lots of things out there. And there were, there were other rabbis that they could go to. And But when they submitted themselves to this rabbi, they also submitted to his doctrine. They submitted to his interpretation of the law of Moses. See, the law of Moses is complex. We look at our system and our judicial system. We look at the Constitution of the United States of America. And because of the complexity of interpretation of that document that seems like it's easy to understand, it seems like that if it would say that you have the right to bear arms, that, that seems easy. But we have to have nine judges explain that to us. The nuances of owning a weapon, you know, that's just one part of it. Um, what was it, 50 years ago, that they decided that the Constitution said that you had a right to abortion. That's, that's what they decided, that the Constitution said that. 
Well, of course we know the Constitution never said that. But it was kept in place by those who interpreted it. Well, so it's the law, but the interpretation of the law, listen, under the last administration, I'm getting just a little bit political here, but under the last administration, a certain edict would go out. It would pick it up, take it to a judge. A judge would say, no, I'm interpreting that this is not lawful. And the president himself was lesser than the judge in a court. Now, that's a crazy system. But that's interpretation of the law. So thank God that we have some judges in the high court now who, who are at least looking properly at the law. Can you say amen? And so as they taught, they would, they would teach the law of Moses, but then they would expand on it. And so now I'm going to bring us to Jesus because Yeshua HaMashiach, he was called rabbi. If you look in your New Testament, depending on which version you have, uh, if you have King James Version, it will bring the word rabbi. Uh, some of the other ones will just say teacher, will say other things, maybe master. But the word rabbi is used in the Greek text 16 times concerning Jesus in the New Testament. Rabbi, that word, my master. And so it was ascribed to him, not just teacher, but if you add the Greek equivalent, the Greek equivalent to rabbi is the didaskalos, which we are more familiar with, that means teacher. He was addressed that way 63 times in the New Testament. And so was he a legal rabbi? And I'm going to say this morning that, yes, he was. Yes, he was a rabbi. Yes, he will take the law of Moses in hand. And, yes, he will begin to interpret that law of Moses according to how he sees it. Can you say amen now? Not how the Pharisees saw it, not how the ancients saw it. And that's why he could get up and say, in the old time you heard it said, Thou shalt not murder, but I say unto you. And so he can expand on that law. He's their rabbi. They're going to listen to what he says because he's the rabbi. And so when he explains to them that I say unto you uh, that the ancients said not to murder, but I'm telling you not to hate your brother and not to hate people without cause. That murderous spirit is in you if you do that. Uh, the ancients said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I'm telling you that you better keep adultery out of your heart. And so see how he expanded on that because he's their rabbi and he has the right to do that. He has an interpretation of the law, but, but his interpretation of the law is far different than their interpretation of the law because he wrote the law. And so he has the right as the rabbi to expand completely upon any religious, spiritual issue in their life. Now, I like this because the Jewish people, the Pharisee sect, and even the Sanhedrin recognized that Jesus was a rabbi. We find it in the third chapter of John. 
when Nicodemus, who is in the Sanhedrin, comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. So he's representing somebody besides just himself when he says we, right? If he said, I know you're a rabbi. No, he says, we know. Well, who's the we? He's talking in place of some of those in the Sanhedrin. Maybe not all of them, but the Pharisees also recognized him as a rabbi. And at first, I like this verse because he's accepted by much of the Jewish community right at first. Luke, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, and it says this way, Jesus returned from the time in the, in the uh, desert. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And fame went out through all, all the surrounding region concerning him. And he taught in their synagogues, listen to this, being glorified of all. Man, we got a new rabbi. They've heard the old. That's why they went out and they came back and said, this man speaks with authority. He's not like these other rabbis that we've heard. This man knows something a little deeper than just the shallowness of the law. He's got something in him that, that is, is mighty. He speaks with a voice, a commanding voice. And, and so he's being glorified of all. Can't you just kind of picture that right now? you got a new rabbi. You got a new uh, church that showed up down the street, and, and everybody's celebrating, and it's good. And, and man, this is just so awesome. You ought to go to this church and hear this, this preacher preach. He is just so good. But with Jesus, it was very short-lived. He got into Galilee, and he's preaching in their synagogue. But by the time he makes it in Galilee up to Nazareth, that's going to be the end of the fun and games. Everybody's having a great time till he gets to Nazareth. He goes in the synagogue, and as a rabbi, they hand him the scroll to read. And, and, and just kind of thinking about some of these things and how the expansion of this now, he's not just somebody that wandered in there. They respect him as being something. He has some position. Not everybody's going to read in the house. You have the local rabbi who is there, and he is conducting the, the service. But when Jesus comes in, they give him the role to read. And, and when he begins to read, now then every eye in the place is on him. When he begins to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. Hey, listen, now you're getting too exclusive. Now, I know you're a rabbi, Jesus. I know everybody's singing your praises, but, but don't get too exclusive in this thing now. We've got a lot of rabbis. We've got a lot of preachers around here, and they do a good job too. And Jesus is directing them, and the attention that is in that synagogue that day turns toward exclusively Jesus. He is a rabbi, but he is the master rabbi. I like the scripture said, he's the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He also is the rabbi of all rabbis. And so he sits down and, and they now are offended that he would imply that their local rabbi, the spirit of the Lord, wasn't upon him, but the spirit of the Lord was on Rabbi Jesus. 
And you know what happened. They took him out of the church and tried to push him over a cliff, right? All the fun was over. I mean, they thought this new rabbi was, was going to be all that. But now their disappointment is going to come because they don't really believe the word of this Rabbi Jesus. Let me go on with rabbis here for a minute. A new rabbi would be ordained under his predecessor. How do you get rabbis? Do they just graduate from the school down here? That's how we get preachers now. They just graduate down from the school. Uh, you want to be a preacher? Go over, I think, uh, Rama. You can go to Rama. Uh, there's other Bible schools over in Tulsa. Just go there. When you get done, you're a preacher. Give a credential. You're good to go. There's no anointing in that. There's no anointing in that. There might be some teaching there. There's no, no, no anointing there. God doesn't call in that way. But so the predecessor, you never get to be a rabbi unless you have sat under a rabbi. Now, that's interesting. Because we have a lot of preachers who have never sat under an anointed man at all. But yet they want to go out in an anointing and have never sat under, they've never learned anything. Jesus never, never sent his apostles in that direction. Even the word apostle, it means to stop and to learn and then to be sent. They take the, the last part of it, stelos, and that is just to send. And, and so Jesus put some guys together and he just sent them. No, he didn't. He stopped them first. It was, it was the idea of you're going to learn something before you go out in my name. Come on, say amen. You're going to learn something before you represent your rabbi in the Jewish system. He's going to teach you the Talmud. He's going to teach you the law. And what you're going to do is you're going to emulate that rabbi so that what he taught, you, te you teach. That's how the rabbi system works. And so, therefore, the rabbi lived on. And his predecessor and his predecessor, and it was handed down and down and down, and you were just one in the line. And when you finally learned what your rabbi thought that you should know about the law and the Talmud, and he would do this thing, which is called ordination. I love that, man. I've been in a lot of ordination services right in the PCG, ordination. And it looks exactly like what it looked like in the, in the rabbi system. This is great. I, and, it, and it just dawned on me when I began to read about that is that what they would do, the rabbi at the time that it was, it was time to make this young man whatever age it was, they were over the age of 30 before they could become a man, and he had to learn this certain things. And when they would get to that point, this rabbi would get some other rabbis, and they would ordain this young man. So I see that going on in the PCG. So what you do is you fill out papers, and uh, they send you, you know, uh, whole booklets, and, and you fill out these test papers, and... and uh, Man, your wife can fill them out, your children, whatever. You send them back in, and uh, you're good to go. You're good to go, and you come into the ordination service, man. It's a big deal, and we got a couple of people, and they're just laying hands on you and praying and ordaining you into ministry. 
And that's not the route that Jesus took. That's not the route he set up for his church. No, see, he's still the rabbi. And he does the ordaining. Not church systems. Not, not a, organizations, denominations do not have the right to say that you are ordained, even if we put our hands on you. Because the rabbi, when he's ready to ordain, you know, fourth chapter of Galatians, that, that as long as you were a child, you're just like a servant in the house. But at the appointed time when the father says, now is the time. And that's the way God ordains. Can you say amen? And so we're all looking for, for uh, uh, God raise us up, you know, put us in a ministry, put whatever. You know, we just want to be available to you. But listen, you have to be patient because God sees when it's time. Come on, say amen. God knows when it's time in your life. You think it's time, and it may not be time yet. And so, so the Lord still, but you, uh, the, the rabbi, after years of training, he takes that young man, and then he ordains him. And so I want to go to John 8 for just a little bit, okay? And, and you can just go there and muse. After we get past the story, of where they brought the woman before Jesus. I, I want to look at John 8 a little bit. I want you in your homework. Is everybody ready for homework? <laughs> it's like, oh man, you're like a teacher this morning. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. So in your homework this week, I want you to read John the 8th chapter as Jesus being a rabbi. It really becomes interesting I believe what the Jews are doing to him is asking him for his credentials. They've got to the place where he's preaching and teaching opposition to what they're teaching. And they are mad. At first, he's glorified by all. But in John 8, he's not glorified by all. They are mad at him. They are incensed that he's teaching things they're not teaching. And so when they come to him, they're going to question him as being a rabbi. And so one of the questions is, they said, first of all, they said, you only witness of yourself. In other words, you haven't been ordained. Who ordained you? You you only witness of yourself. And he says, no, 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 no. I, I have been sent by my father. I've been ordained by my rabbi. No, no, no. Where is your father? I think they're asking, where did you learn? In another place they say, where did you get the authority to do the things that you're doing. What do you think they mean by that? Who ordains you to do what you're doing? Where's your rabbi? Where's your father? Where's he at? And so they begin to question him and continue to question him all down. And Jesus is explaining to them, no, no, I'm not just coming in myself. I'm coming in the one who has sent me. Well, who is your father? Where is your father? God is my father. Man, you can't get any higher than that. Rabbi, God is, 
is my rabbi, and I have been sent out from that, and, and now they're just getting madder and madder. And so his answer is, I came out, I came uh, from within God, out of from within God, and he sent me, and so now they are so mad at him, and, and I'm going to let you know this, he's a little bit mad at them, because he says to them, your father is the devil. And then finally we get down in the 50th verses, and, and there we find Jesus saying, before Abraham was, I am. What they don't want to understand about him is that his word is higher than everyone else's word. Now, a rabbi was considered to be a spiritual father to his disciples. He was considered to be a spiritual father. Not a physical father, a spiritual father. The disciples themselves, they took care for their master. They watched out for him. They tried to fix his food. They tried to get places for them to stay at night. That was the duty of the disciples, the learners. And the master himself, his duty was to teach. It was to school them. It was to raise them in spiritual matters. And so Jesus became the spiritual father to his disciples. Can you say amen to that? In John 17, 12, he says, in his prayer, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I guarded those whom you gave to me. And this word guarded here, this Greek word phylasso, it really is something more than just I kind of watched out for their welfare. I just kind of, you know, was concerned about them. No, it is this same uh, as a shepherd would be, an uninterrupted, uninterrupted vigilance how shepherds show in the keeping of their flock. In other words, Jesus, as a rabbi, watched his students intently and kept them. And it's beautiful. He said, I haven't lost a one of them except the son of perdition, Judas. And he knew Judas, but Judas would, would deny him. But he kept those, and he watched over those. And as a father over them, a spiritual father over them, a rabbi was more like a pastor than a teacher. A teacher would just come and teach, preach, exhort, and then a teacher can leave. A pastor preaches and teaches, and then he stays on with the people. And this is what Jesus was. He stays on with his brethren, and he, he coaches them and teaches them and trying to explain to them. In one point, he says, I have more to explain to you, but you can't even take it right now. And so he's watching over them and guiding them in all ways and all truth in their life. And they respect him then as their father, rabbi, teacher to them. Now, the Bible doesn't say to us that we have rabbis in this day. And it doesn't say to us that pastors are rabbis. But what it does say to us, and Peter says to, uh, to us, is that they are under shepherds. God does have people that watch out for his flock. Can you say amen? And so he anoints them and he takes them to a place of ordination and he ordains them to do certain works and certain things. He appoints them to apostleship. He appoints them to pastoring. He appoints them to teaching. He appoints them to evangelism. He can appoint them to prophecy. There's all these things that God ordains people to do. And then he 
watches over that flock. See, the Lord just hasn't handed it off to people to take this thing. He still is the rabbi that watches over his people. He's still watching over his disciples. If you're a disciple this morning of Jesus, I want you to know that his care and his wisdom and his understanding is watching over you. Not just the general church and, you know, the whole uh, kingdom of God, but he is intently watching over each individual disciple of his. And I love that. Can you say amen? I want the Lord, I don't want him to spend all his time on me, but I do want him to know I'm here, Lord, and, and I want you to take attention at times to who I am and where I am in my need. And I know the Lord does that. Amen. It's beautiful because he is still the rabbi. And so, as we go on, Jesus calls Simon and Andrew and John and James, and in that call, he says, come and follow me. How many of you remember that? They're down there fishing, minding their own business. They're mending their nets, getting ready to do some more fishing, and Jesus comes and says, come, follow me. My question is, to where? Where is he going? If he says, come and follow me, what, what is it? Uh, we, we heading down to town? We're going to go visit somebody? Maybe we're going down to Jerusalem. Come and follow me. That's the wrong idea of following. He says that to them as a rabbi. When a rabbi picks his disciples and they choose to follow him, there is a great dedication. I've already talked about that. He is going to teach them then. They are going to become subject unto his teaching. So it's not lightly. Come and follow me. We're going to go down, you know, over here and, and have lunch down at Mary and Martha's house. That, that, that's not what he's doing. Come and follow me means I will lead and you will follow. I will teach and you will obey. That's the whole idea of this come and follow me. They're following him not as this fisher uh, that can show them how to expand their business. But he said, you come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, what I've got to tell you is in the form of a rabbi, you will dedicate yourself to the following of my ministry, of my teaching, and you will abide with my teaching and follow my teaching and how I do it. And they assign themselves to do that. This is beautiful. We never find a place in the Scripture where they turned back and did not follow him any longer. Now, there was others that did that. Remember, they got to that place, and, and Jesus looked at them and said, Will you also leave me? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're our rabbi. We haven't got anywhere to go. What other rabbi are we going to go to? You're the one. That we've dedicated our lives and spiritual understanding to. And so it became this social order of rabbi and servant students. Now let me tell you something about this. Is that the disciple is not greater than his Lord. How many remember that scripture? 
uh, that still goes for today, just in case anybody's interested. But in the flesh, don't we get that way? The rabbi said one thing, but I don't see it that way. I think something different. But if you're following Jesus, your opinion doesn't count. Oh, it's awesome. You mean I just have to, I don't have an opinion? That's right. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, Peter, yes. And upon this I will build my church. But I'm going down to Jerusalem there where they will take the Son of Man. And Peter rises up to correct the rabbi. The disciple does not correct the rabbi. He's there to learn. He's there to follow. He's there to be guided, but he's not there to correct. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus so harshly turned to him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. I don't like being called Satan. I've been called some things in my life, and I don't like being called Satan. And I don't think Peter liked it either. But see, Peter was out of order. And man, I think about this and I think about the church and I think about where we've come from apostolic order. And I just say, wow, how much stuff is out of order in the modern church? What, how did we get to where we're at? Because everybody's got an opinion of what they think the Lord is about and what He said. And, and, but Rabbi Yeshua looks... At Peter and says, no, 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 you don't tell me. I tell you. The order was all messed up. Thomas questioned Jesus' wisdom about going back to raise up Lazarus. Do you remember that? They heard that Lazarus was sick. And that, that, that they sent somebody to Jesus to get him to come. And, and now this has been a few days. But they're in a place because they're... Really, they are in a holding thing. They're hiding from the Jews who are set out to kill them. And Thomas speaks up. Jesus said, well, we're going. And Thomas speaks up and says, we're going to go up there and they're going to kill us? You know what? Jesus didn't even retort. He just ignored him. How do you like being ignored? I got something to say, man. I've got something to put on the table. I'm bringing something to the table, and then nobody even recognizes what you're saying. Jesus didn't even recognize that. I said, we're going to Bethany. It doesn't matter what Thomas thinks. Well, this is kind of strong, right? Because this is not, you know, our, our social system doesn't work this way. Everybody is equal. Everybody's equal. And so, how long did it take for the early church to adopt the ways of Rome? Not very long. Rome had him a pope. Rome had him a senate. Soon the church gets them a pope. Soon they get them elders to vote. It's happened when you come to the, the country of America... 
Everybody's free. Everybody has the same right. Everybody's word is the same. Nobody's above anybody. We're taught that. We, that's how we are. It gets ingrained into us. And then we come to Rabbi Jesus, and he says a thing, and it's, no, I really don't agree with that. You don't have the right to voice your opinion when it comes to the word of God. Wow. Man, that is just so hard teaching because that goes against a grain of our liberty. Liberty, Pastor. Jesus never said that there was going to be equality in the kingdom of God. He never said that. Jesus loves this, everybody the same. Oh, no, no, that's fictitious. <laughs> because if I'm one of the disciples, I'm Andrew. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John every time. And I don't get to go. I'm sorry. That's what he wanted to do. But I don't like it. Everybody has to be treated equal. No, God doesn't treat everybody equal. There is the gift of salvation that he's laid down for everybody. He doesn't treat everybody equal. He didn't treat all of his disciples equal. And, and so Thomas may feel insignificant here. But I'm sorry, Thomas, your opinion is going to be disregarded. So when Jesus gives directions, they are to be obeyed. Can you say amen? And so he does. He directs them because he is their rabbi. Now, in modern Christianity, we've switched the rule, roles again. And I've said this before about other things. I'll say it again. We've switched the roles Jesus is no longer the rabbi. Jesus is the servant. We are the rabbis. Because we tell him what to do. No, you never get to tell the rabbi what to do. Sorry. He stays in the place of rabbi. His servants stay in the place of servants. And that order is beautiful. That works. Nothing else works. That order works where he stays high and mighty, and we stay subject unto him. And I would hate to think that he would ever step down and give his position of high teacher to somebody else. He will never give away all authority, all power, all knowledge, all might, all strength. He will never give that to another human being. So don't look for that human being. They're not out there. There is no other person to call rabbi because you have a rabbi, he said. There's no one else to call father. You have a father who is going to stay on as your father rabbi through this whole process of the kingdom of God. He'll never relinquish his power. Can you say amen? He'll never give it over, especially to some smart aleck know-it-all preacher. Man, I'll tell you, I, I'm to the place when I turn on the pompousness of men who think they are really something because they have a following. They've set themselves up as a rabbi. They have a big church. They have a big voice. Uh, they get to go to the White House or whatever it is, and they've got their self set in a place that really is way above where God's servants are. And it's pathetic. It's pitiful. You hear them, hear them speak, and they speak as though they have understanding and wisdom and authority, but really the Lord will never turn over His position as high teacher to anyone else. Someone thinks they have the secrets of moving God. Foolishness. 
Have you heard him teach it? You do this and this and this and this, claim this word and say this word out loud and do that, and God has, God has to do nothing. He's the rabbi. It's us who have to listen to him and follow him. Can you say amen? And when we keep that in order, there is this beauty of what can, God can do among our midst. Amen. And now let me close this, bringing it down. Yeshua is the perpetual great rabbi. The book of Hebrews states that Jesus is the ever-abiding high priest. And so I just kind of want to add to this this morning, not write Scripture, but just add to this also. He is the ever-existing high rabbi. His disciples thought he was gone. This is why Jesus in John 14 says to them, don't be troubled. There's going to be some things happen right away. Don't be troubled. And he goes on to explain that to them. Um, they think that if he dies, he's gone. And this is why Peter was saying, Lord, be far from you. You can't die. They think if the rabbi dies because all the rabbis that have died are gone. But when Rabbi Jesus dies, he's going to raise from the dead and he will still be rabbi. Death doesn't change his power. Death only changes the dimension of who he is to them. See, the first time he's coming to them as a man. Philippians, the second chapter, he takes on the form and the fashion of a man. But he's going to hit death head on and he's going to conquer death and he's going to appear to them the second time he appears to them as a spirit man. He's, all, he's flesh. There is some tangibility about him, but yet he is spirit. Flesh doesn't walk through a wall. Flesh doesn't eat honeycomb and meat. But yet he is there with them, but instantly he vanishes from their eyes. He's a spirit man the second time. The third time he's going to come back. He's not going to be a flesh man. He's not going to be a spirit man. He will be the Holy Spirit of God. Now, they're afraid. They have lost him once already. He went to the tomb. Oh, thankfully, he came back. They were in a room, and he appeared where they were. We've got him back. Finally, okay, this is what it's going to be now. The dimension is going to be that we still have Rabbi Jesus, but but now he is not just flesh, but he's spirit and flesh. And this is going to be an awesome thing now in the kingdom. Boy, he can smash Rome now. He can take over things now. Because he's not just in the flesh now. He is, he is in the spirit. He can be anywhere at any time he can appear somewhere. This is awesome. But what's going to happen next is even going to frighten them more. Because they are going to lose him again. And this is where what Dustin said a few weeks ago just still has struck me in the heart. Elijah and Elisha was the prototype of the rabbi system. They didn't have rabbis then. They had prophets and they had, they had servants. But it was the prototype. And so when Elijah is taken up, and Dustin said this with tears in his eyes, and I had tears in my eyes. He begins to yell, my father, my father, my father's going up in this help 
helpless feeling that he has now is that his rabbi is gone. What do you think in Acts, the first chapter, 11 verse, and it said they, they went out with him to Bethany, to, to the Mount of Olives, and there he talked to them for the last time, and then he begins to ascend into heaven, and he has ascended in the cloud, and now they are standing there looking shocked in awe. He's gone again, a rabbi no longer will we have him. And they're looking intently, it says, gazing up into the heaven where they last saw him slipping into a cloud. And then two men in white apparel, that would be angels, stood beside them and said, Why are you standing here gazing into the heavens? Boy, I like what they said, and I broke this down because, because really this, is, this, this has the same grip Upon it, this one, Jesus, made it clear. This Jesus, everybody say, this Jesus. This Jesus, the one having been taken from you into heaven, will come in that manner. You saw him going into heaven. And so what he is doing, what the, the uh, angels are doing with them is trying to encourage them that your rabbi's gone but he's coming back. He's not staying gone. And he, they're not talking about the end time 2,000 years later. He's talking to those disciples. You're worried. You're troubled. Why are you standing here looking at something that's over? It's gone. There is going to be yet another dimension of the expression, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be in man. It's not going to be in spirit man. But it is going to be in the outpouring of his spirit upon the disciples and God himself is going to pour himself upon them and now the question might be when how long is it going to be before we have our rabbi again our father is gone how long is it going to be are we going to have to stay in this state no, no, no. He's come. So they did what they knew to do, and that was head back to Jerusalem and to unite there. The thing they didn't know was when. You and I, looking back at it, we got an easy, easy road because we know it was just going to be seven days. Jesus was in the tomb three. Well, first we've got to go to Pentecost. Pentecost is going to happen 50 days after uh, Passover. He's in the ground for three days. He shows himself with infallible proofs for 40 days. That's 43. And we've got seven more to go. There's something that I'd like to throw in here. You can think about you that like to study this kind of stuff, which I do. Is that the Scripture said that the Mount of Olives was a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. Why would the Scripture say it was a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem if it was not the Sabbath day? So I'm going to deduct, because they had been out to the Mount of Olives countless times with Jesus. So I'm going to deduct that it was Sabbath when Jesus ascended. 
if you take the numbers and you start at 1 and go to 50, and you start with 1 being the Sabbath, the 8th was the Sabbath, the 15th was the Sabbath, the 22nd was the Sabbath day, the 29th day was the Sabbath, the 36th day was the Sabbath, the 43rd day was the Sabbath, and the 50th day was a Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. If you read the scripture about his death and the Passover, his death aligned on a Sabbath. Not just the Sabbath of the Passover feast, but actually a Sabbath. And now he ascends on a Sabbath, and he is going to return on a Sabbath. Why do you make such a big deal about the Sabbath? It's going to be seven days. Seventh day is the rest of God, the Sabbath, which he anointed for men, appointed for men. See, nothing happens of chance when it comes to Rabbi Jesus. If he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he really is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he's going to work his works on the Sabbath. I love this about Jesus. He's going to heal on the Sabbath. He's going to heal the cripple on the Sabbath. He's going to raise the man who is in uh, paralytic man on the Sabbath. They're going to do things on the Sabbath because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. I want you to know right now that we live in a perpetual Sabbath with our rabbi because he is the rabbi of the Sabbath. I don't know about the rest of the rabbis. I don't know what they're doing. But this one that we serve, he's the one who invented the Sabbath, and he is the Lord of that Sabbath. Can you say amen? That's just for those of you that like to study that kind of stuff. They're not expecting a different rabbi. We're getting close now. We're going to land this thing. They're not expecting a different rabbi. Their rabbi has ascended into heaven. Well, I'm going to send you somebody else. No, no. That's, that's not going to work for them. I'm going to send you a whole new person of the Godhead. No, that's not. No, no we're not. They won't even recognize that. They know his voice. Can you say amen? They've been with him. And back in his promise in the 14th um, chapter of John, I think it's the 18th verse, he said, he said I'm not going to leave you orphans. Father, you've gone away from us. I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm coming back. And so that promise is going to be fulfilled in that. Seven days later, they're in that upper room. They're mulling around there. They're doing some voting and stuff. You know, they shouldn't probably be doing that. The rabbi didn't tell them to do that. And they voted them in. They, they, they ordained a man to be an apostle that, that the rabbi didn't ordain. Sorry. But on that seventh day, and when that day had fully come, and the light came on on that morning, it was just like the resurrection. It was the same thing. The power, the power of the Lord hit that place. And he revisited his disciples. Can you say amen? 
Or we can look at all the events that happened. They spoke in tongues and different things happened. And, and they preached the gospel in tongues and all that. But, but the primary was that he did not leave them orphans. And he came back to be with them. Let me tell you this right now. If you claim to have the Spirit of God in you, it's the rabbi. Oh, no, no, no. The Spirit of God tells me to go out here and, and uh, you know, look for somebody wearing a green shirt down here in the parking lot and prophesy over them. Nope. Uh, wrong rabbi. But this rabbi that came back, he lives in us. And if he lives in you, you're going to do the edicts, the commandments, the will of the one who is our rabbi. Can you say amen? So I call him clearly. I've never seen this subject so clear that he really is that great rabbi. Hallelujah. I love him this morning. I am dedicated to him. I'm his follower. I am a disciple of the great rabbi Jesus. And he's leading and guiding our lives. Can you say amen? God bless you. Would you stand? I mean, I could go on a little while longer, but I don't think I should. Um, we can only, the human mind can only take so much without going to sleep. But I just wanted to encourage you this morning that that which is in you, not some crazy spirit out doing, no, 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 get, get away from there. It's Rabbi Jesus in you. It's leading, guiding, anointing your life. So we pledge to follow. How many here this morning say, I pledge to follow that rabbi? I pledge to be subject unto him. I, I, I want to hear his voice. I want to hear him speaking to me. Because really, he's more than just a, he's my father. He's everything that I need. He will supply and provide in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we, we just bless you this morning. I hope that I've said something today that would encourage the church. Lord, we did some study, and we talked about some things, Lord, that, that we can all look at later. But I pray, Lord, you just encourage us. Oh, God, your spirit living in us. Great rabbi, Lord, you're still teaching. You're still leading. You're still guiding. You're still commissioning us to go here, to go there, to do your will. And we just pray this morning we'll leave out of here with a refreshed vigor, a refreshed desire. Lord, to follow after you, to be dedicated as disciples unto our master. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Can we give that Lord a hand clap of praise?